I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. I think you're really going to enjoy today's session. I'm joined by Andrea Law, Managing Director of Enthuse, a change communication and engagement consultancy. Having worked with a number of leading brands supporting their transformation efforts, Andrea started Enthuse five years ago and has some strong views on what makes for successful change. So let me introduce you to her now. Well, hi, uh, Andrea. Thanks for joining us uh, today. First of all, and most importantly these days, how are you and how have you been coping with the lockdown? Well, I don't think you're supposed to say this, but I've quite enjoyed it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's been because you don't have to travel with work yeah. it's been an opportunity to change my routine a little bit personally and for work so um started listening to audiobooks on a morning I've always considered myself not to be a person who does yoga um but I've started to do a little yoga app on a morning and I quite like that been break, baking bread on a weekend and then from a work perspective, you get so caught up in, um, in client work and keeping clients happy that you, when you run your own business, you quite often forget to work on your own business. Yes. So um, there was probably about four or five weeks where we were a lot quieter because from a communication perspective um, and change projects, things were going on hold because employees, there was no headspace for anyone to talk about anything other, any other projects than health and safety, being at work, being furloughed, what you do when you're at work, why are we open, communicating all those messages. So we did get involved in some of that for our clients, but it meant that some other things had gone on the back burner and that just gave me a bit more time to think about those things about the business. So what I need to remember as we start to go back to normality, because work kind of has returned nearly back to normal now. Yeah. I need to remember to hold on to some of those things that I really enjoy doing and still try and fit them in. Absolutely. It, it's, it's interesting though, um, a lot of people that I'm talking to these days are, are saying exactly the same. You know, you're not supposed to say this, but actually it's quite enjoyable. It, it, I think everyone has had that opportunity to step back and, and, and rethink and reset. Um, and the test and, and the challenge will be to... You've obviously now got a good idea of what you would like your life to be like and your business life and how those can intertwine. It's, it's, it's keeping hold of that vision, isn't it, and keeping hold of that, uh, that, that, that view and making it happen. And really, there's nothing to stop you other than yourself, but our natural, especially when you run your own business, our natural, um, um, uh, our natural sort of uh, push is to just take on more and more and more, and you've got to yeah you're a servant aren't you um and even when I was working in-house I always wanted to do a good job I never wanted um to say no to something I know there are times when you do have to say no because the information isn't there or whatever um but you always want to say oh yes I'd love to get involved in that even if it means I have to you know work um some longer hours of course I want to be involved um so, yeah, you can't underestimate, you know, there's, there's reasons why we've been in this lockdown and I've certainly sent more sympathy cards in the last few months than I have in the last few years combined. So the 
the serious reasons of why we've been going through this uh, are quite close to home. But yeah, from a personal perspective, you know, not everything is bad is that you can still look for the positives and take the positives out of it. Um, Just before lockdown, we signed a lease on a new office and uh, we never got to move into it. We've half furnished it and then that's it. Um, So I'm looking forward to um, having that new start as well and a, a new home for the business. Great. Great. Well, your, your background is a bit different than, than most people that we've had on the podcast to date, um, which has certainly influenced your approach to change in engagement. Uh, do you want to provide the listeners with a brief overview of the route you've taken to get to where you are now with, uh, with NTUs? Yeah, um, my whole career has been in communications, corporate communications. <laughs> Um, at the beginning of my career, I started out in consumer PR agencies. I worked on brands like Monopoly, Cluedo, Morrison Supermarkets, Rowenta, the National Lottery. So that was fun and exciting. And, um, and then I made the move across the other side of the fence in-house, where I spent 14 years in-house, mainly at Warburton's and also um, at the co-op. So I led all of the external PR and then all of the internal communications at Warburton's and then moved to co-op to lead the internal communications for the food business right at the right at the most interesting time, right when um, Steve Morales as the new chief executive had come into the food business, who's now group CEO, and was bringing in a transformation program to turn that business around so it's been really interesting I set up Infuse five years ago and I can't believe it's that long and it's been really fascinating as a as a co-op kind of advocate and and a co-op shopper having worked there and having been involved in some of in that transformation program right at the beginning to be able to see the fruits of all of that labor come off and see the results come out from the co-op and see them doing well and yeah set up infuse in 2015 and um we we really want to create workplaces that people enjoy coming to work we want people to feel enthusiastic hence the name about the organization they work for about their jobs um, and about any changes at work as well Um, so we work we're lucky enough to work with um, some really big names like kellogg and wilco and quorn and also um, business to business clients as well if you once you employ more than kind of 50 100 people or you know it could be lower numbers but geographically dispersed then you need to be more strategic in how you communicate with them um, and how you engage with them which is the the most important thing at the end of the day you're only communicating with them to engage them in the business or or in change and 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 i think it's uh, an interesting time isn't it Um, as we come out of lockdown in the um uh, that the whole concept of how organizations will be structured and will work in the future uh, is up for debate um but the key thing is is to keep your team engaged and 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 driving towards a common common vision and and that will become challenging as people are a little bit more diverse and some are working from home some are in the office some are not necessarily in the office at the same time and all that sort of stuff what are the key areas that you think that organizations need to be thinking about as they go into that uh, into that phase 
I think that they need to be mindful of the world has shifted on its axis and there won't just be a lot, you know, it, we won't completely transform our businesses as a result of lockdown, but some significant things really will have shifted, such as home working, like you mentioned. Twitter have said to all of their people, this is it now, you can work from home forever. I've spoken to friends who have businesses that are saying, you know, if people aren't that bothered about coming back to work, yes, it's important to spend time together and have that face-to-face -face team time. But, um, you know, I've always said for our business, our new office will be a hub. People will work from home. It's a hub for people to get together. So as the business grows, I don't need to take on a bigger office. Um, it's just a hub for people to go to. Yeah. But it's important, therefore, if you haven't got people face-to-face -face in an office environment or wherever, um, that you... Um, that you do invest that extra time in being able to engage with them properly. And it affects different people in different ways. So keep having that conversation about how people are finding it. Some people really don't like working from home no, no. Um, and, and would really struggle with it. Um, some people might enjoy working from home, but not at the minute while I have to homeschool as well. Um, but um, but yeah, some people really don't want to work from home and would prefer that office environment because it gives them that structure and yeah. because it means they don't get easily distracted. Whereas other people like myself have always loved working from home and um, I don't get distracted. It means that, well, it probably means I don't get distracted by being in an office environment and chatting to someone. I get my head down and I can, I can get more work done. So um, as you should have done when you were back working around a set of desks together face to face, you have to be, you can't treat a team um, as a homogenous group of people. Yeah. You have to see them all as individuals. And that's going to be even more important if people are working remotely to keep checking in with them, communicating on that one-to-one -one basis of leader to individual, um, the collective communication as the whole team, and then making sure there's something in place for those peer-to-peer -peer conversations to take place as well. No, absolutely. And, and was, uh, I was talking to um, uh, one organisation a few weeks ago, and um, they were saying, "Well, yeah, there's a this is a really big opportunity for us uh, around sort of our property um, uh, strategy moving forward, and we don't need these big offices." And and uh, and they, they they were they had quite a, a large customer care team and, and customer contact team, and um, and I was saying, "Well, yeah, but you need to be careful because not everybody." enjoys working from home as you're saying but actually at the moment it's not too bad because we're in the summer months but if you are uh, employing a lot of people on um well shall we say lower the the, 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 the lower of, of the average uh, salary range then um having them working from home during the winter months when they need to uh, heat their properties and 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 put the lights on and stuff it's they're just not going to want to work with you on the rates that you you're paying them because they're actually by going into the office during the winter months they're cutting down on the uh, the personal expenditure and yeah. and oh, yeah that's that's a that's a good point and, and, and it's it's important that we um understand those different dynamics and, and as you said the different needs and wants of the individual yeah, it's different for each individual. People might prefer it because they haven't got the commuting cost. Um, and then in terms of offices, you know, if you felt before you needed a fancy pants city centre office to 
um, attract employees to have something that was attractive as your employer brand well actually if people are wanting to work from home what's the point of paying the rent yeah and um, but maybe you can find a balance by saying we'll go somewhere um, a little more out of town but then there's free parking or, or and obviously you need to make sure that um, public transport links are good as well but um, but it's having that conversation it's not taking that unilateral decision um, as a leader or a business owner and talking to your team um, which is a good mantra to live by um, in anything that you're doing um, at work talk to the team and find out all of the individual different viewpoints and uh, and find a balance and make a decision from there yeah just going back to your timing the co-op then and, and, and the major sort of transformation piece that um, uh, that uh, was being undertaken there what, what what was your role in that in, in, in that sort of in that program um, I was looking after internal communications for the food business so we had 70,000 people around the country with quite a small internal communications team and we had to do both jobs we had to have both hats on so we had to look at what the communication what the drumbeat of communication was on a regular basis to get those regular messages out there so that um, if people in the I always say in the real world if you want to find out what's going on in the news you know which app you can go to you know what time the news is on the TV you can go to a website or buy a newspaper put the radio on there's all you know the news will be on the radio on the hour and, yeah. and a little bit on the half hour you know that there are, are rules in place there's a drumbeat of news and you need that inside an organization as well people mm. have to know um yes there's always those informal um communication channels to find out what's going on from your, your leader or, or your peers um but you've got to have you know there will be the ceo town hall at this time there is the magazine the newsletter the app updated then or whatever and um so we needed to set up that regular drumbeat of communication so that people knew what was going on felt well informed and knew how and when they'd be told about it but then because we were going through such a big transformation, we were also business partnering all of the different um, change projects that were going on as part of the overall transformation <coughs> and, um, and balancing all of that as well and landing that change effectively with colleagues out in the stores and in distribution centres to make sure that... Um, you know they felt a part of that engagement that we were listening to them and the whole the whole emphasis the whole point around transforming co-op was to correct all of those things that weren't right in the business which yeah. is normally you know why you're transforming so to find out all those things that aren't working in the business you need to go out and ask people yeah. um so we work very closely with um with hr to be able to to do that and communicate the actions that leaders were taking having having listened to employees yeah, I, I think it's that's that's an important message, though, isn't it? It's um, you transform a lot of the times by listening rather than by telling, um, and um, all too often the communication is one direction. Um, it's from the top down, and um, if you don't get that listening in that that initial input and then reflect on that and 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 structure your communications and your engagement practices accordingly. Uh, you lose the people very, very quickly. Yeah. And that makes it so much more difficult. I see so many mistakes that leaders have made over the years. Um, you know, 
communicating a desire for, you know, our culture needs to be more innovative. We need to be more agile. Um, and they tell, they say what they want it to be, but they don't put anything in place to make that happen. They assume yeah. people know what they mean or they do the opposite. They have an absolute plan of what will turn it around. They've got a new piece of kit or a new piece of software and they think this is going to be a silver bullet. This is going to solve all of our problems. And then they get all the change ready behind the scenes and they wrap it all up and stick a bow on top and, you know, deliver it to the business without ever having engaging um, or involved anybody and um, and then a surprise when it when it doesn't work or people underestimate the size of the change yeah. so they think they know what the change is it's the new piece of kit it's the new um, software but um, they know what it is but they've underestimated all of the different elements around it of how you need to make that happen which is usually the people piece uh, people piece and the cultural piece yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I was I was running a uh, an MBA program earlier on in the week, and when one of the sessions that we have on there is start with a why, yeah, uh, and, and really focus upon the why, not not the what, and not the how, but the why. Uh, and I think there's a key message in there, isn't there? That a, a lot of people can can take within that sort of transformation, communications, and engagement piece. Good old Simon Sinek. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have. Um, we have a six stage process. So um, we take all of that um, theory, um, but as you say, an ounce of action is worth a ton of theory. So we take all of that theory and um, around leadership or around change and transformation and around communication, and we put that all together into a process that where we have some, um, we apply that to each project that we're working on and make sure that there's some good creative tactical um, things to implement. So we start off by creating awareness. So at the stage that the ideally the, you know, quite often people come to you when it's all wrapped up and they just want it communicating. But ideally, in the stage that you are preparing to change and you're wanting to let your team know that you're going to change, but you haven't necessarily got all of the answers, you've got some of the ideas, but not all of the answers yeah. and want their input into that, then that's about creating awareness and setting that scene for people and building that understanding. And that's the, the important part of telling that why. Um, people know why they need to why they're being asked to do something differently and is that a burning platform um, or is that you know something that you're you're wanting to get us to it to a better place yeah. um, and then the next next stage is you know when you would be involving and creating people and working towards that so start to come up with your vision generate that enthusiasm and nudge and involve you know don't feel that as leaders you have to come up with this vision and then communicate that out to your teams. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's your job as a leader to, to envision the future, to see that future and be able to illustrate what it could be like for people, but involve your yeah, employees yeah. in coming up with that and get them excited, generate that enthusiasm. And that's all going back to what we've just talked about, that listening piece. Yeah. Listen to them and get their ideas for how you can how you can change and then together you make that transition into that 
change and obviously you need to keep nudging and celebrating those quick wins and and the final yeah. success but they get the ownership then don't they and and, and by having that ownership they, they they've got um they've got a stake in 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 in, in the success of of that change um, by taking that ownership, they'll, they'll want it to, be, to to succeed and become the champions of it. Um, and and actually, uh, a lot of the times, it's the it's the it's the people on the ground at, at different levels within an organisation that have got the most influence with the peer group. Um, and and if you can get those champions uh, really taking it forward, it's far easier than trying to do it from just from from a top. Absolutely, and I mean it's not um, it it's not easy. You won't automatically just by um, doing your very you can do your very very best to involve everybody, engage with people, communicate effectively, and you will always still have people who are cynical about what you're trying to do. That is just human nature, and there will still be people who are fearful. Um, of what's going to happen and let's face it sometimes they have a right to be scared because a lot of changes do result in in maybe not always job losses but yes job losses but even just a change to your role or having to go through that stressful time of of reapplying for for your own job or for another job within the organization so we even though as leaders you might think oh but this is a great future this is something everybody should look forward to along the way there will be some personal stress created for people and that's where the leaders of teams uh, come into their own that's where they're really needed even if they make that adjustment themselves yeah no I totally agree i think uh, um, i know it's 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 overused um and and, and over spoken about in, in many instances but that that change curve yes is 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 there in every situation yeah even when the the change is the most the best change that can ever be people will naturally start to think Ooh, what's it going to mean to me yeah through that so you've got to take them through that journey i um i worked on a project where um a team in the business uh, nobody was losing their jobs there was no reorganization no one had to reapply for a job they were just going to be given instead of a clunky old laptop um, as part of the sales team being out talking to customers they were going to be given shiny new ipads with some new software and you kind of look at that and go, well, what's not to like? Everything about this story was positive. And, but you will still get, there were still people who were so nervous mm. about using the new software, using the new kit. We had um, some old members of the team call the help desk to say, it doesn't work. It's like, what do you mean it doesn't work? Well, have you plugged it in? <laughs> have you charged the iPad up? Oh no. Um, you know, you have to really take yeah. people through it. And as change people, when you see that um, the Kubler Ross change curve, you kind of groan a bit because you see it all the time and you think, yeah. oh, that old chestnut again. But often um, it works really well for leaders to understand that and to talk their people through it because it, uh, in most cases, when you talk your team through it, it's the first time that they're seeing it. Yeah. And, um, and the bridges model talks about that transitioning through that curve. So, you know, the three stages of acknowledging the end, 
Um, And then going through that neutral phase and then starting that new beginning. And that's where the leaders of teams have a really important part to play in. They need to understand that theory and then be given some tools and techniques to use with their teams to take them through that. You can't always do, you can do some of those things from a macro level. So the communication and engagement plan can can put some of those things in place. Um, but the execution of them quite often has to be done by the leader of that team. Mm-hmm. So they're really being called on for their leadership skills to talk to people, to listen to them, um, uh, you know, do things that celebrate that ending, go through that transition, do get people involved in in risk assessments, get them doing six thinking hats exercises, um, get people, you know, keep going over your narrative, keep explaining the why and if it isn't landing, um, find out other reasons to believe that you can take people with you on the journey and then celebrate that new beginning. Make sure you've, you've thanked people for the efforts that they've gone through. Find all those reasons to believe that we've increased sales by this, we've reduced waste by this um this now works better this person can do their job more efficiently and tell those stories and and you and keep but keep listening to the doubters as well don't just assume it's stuck oh absolutely and and the uh, you touched on something earlier about sort of the as as any any new change is announced or as intimated people's stress levels go up Mm. And, and the key is to alleviate that stress as, as quickly or as efficiently as possible. So what, what, what sort of, uh, what experience have you, have, have you had around that of, of how, you know, what, what, what's worked and, and, and equally what have you found doesn't work that well? Um, what doesn't work well is that when a team member who's getting stressed, that that then stresses out their leader. <laughs> um, as managers and leaders, you know, you've got a job to do and you've got a team to run. And um, if if somebody in the team starts to get stressed about something, they're not moving through that change curve as quickly as you'd like and they're getting stuck on a particular area, um, on a particular emotion and that they have lots of anxiety. Um, it is much easier to take time out and sit that person down and talk to them and find out how they're feeling, find out what else is going on in their life. There might be other reasons why um, this is being such an issue to them. And, um, and they might have some really good points to make about um, why they think this might not work. And, um, and the learning that you might get from talking to that person and uncovering some of the areas uh, that are causing that stress and anxiety might really help um, to land that change with someone else. And what really works well there is if leaders are having that peer-to-peer communication amongst themselves, because um, you won't be the only leader that's got someone in your team that's, yeah. um, that's struggling. So share, um, share different people's experience, share what's working well, but it always comes back to talking and listening to people or where people just aren't behaving in the way that you would want Um, you know find out why but make sure you're you have the courage 
to hold a mirror up to that behavior and talk to them about it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it can be having that difficult, challenging conversation that the person needs to be able to move on and give them a little nudge through. Yeah, and, and, and I've found in many cases that the people that are um, overtly stri- be, uh, finding it stressful and, 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 and it's quite clear or they're, uh, they're being defensive or just don't, you know, not wanting to move forward, um, and those are relatively easy to identify. But for every one of those, there's probably four or five that are not overtly showing the stress but are feeling it. Yeah. that you, you can't see so at least by uh, um, doing what, exactly what you just said with the with the individuals that are out there and showing it and being and, and doing all the, all the all the things that you wouldn't necessarily want them to be doing and and taking them through that process and, and holding them up etc etc and, and you, you, as you said the learning that you'll get from that person can help on the wider populace that's perhaps not as as vocal or perhaps not as visible as as as, as the as the one or two are. I'm a big fan of the of six thinking hats because I just think um, you might where someone is feeling that stress or anxiety in a team, it can cause conflict with the other team yeah. members that are thinking, "Oh, I wish they'd just get over it." You know, we need to do this. We just need to move on. Um, and it, what six thinking hats approach does is um, removes those areas of conflict because you're all, you're all looking at the problem from the same perspective at the same time. And you all get a chance to talk about your emotions. You all get a chance to talk about the risks and the challenges and the issues. And you all get a chance. Um, and as a leader of that session, if, if the person who's been negative and anxious um, hasn't spoken up under things like the yellow hat to come up with positive ideas, then that's your job to help get them out of it and the or the enthusiasm of yeah. the rest of the team in 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 talking about the positives and in talking through some of the opportunities um and the ideas that's what can generate that excitement in that person again that can nudge them through the change curve to uh, to the next area or into the new beginning absolutely and, and you've obviously worked across different sectors and, and different organizations both um, in uh, in permanent employment but then in, as, as, as uh, uh, with your with your consulting hat on um, throughout those uh, those sort of engagements what's your general feeling on transformation uh, people's experience of the engagement piece and the uh, managing the change bit i think Uh, it scares people um i think that people think that change management and engaging people is a big scary monster and they have no idea how to tackle it and um or they talk to people who i say come up with theories um and um and come up with you know this this is how people are expected to feel and and this these are the kind of approaches you need to take without coming up with some tools for them um to be able to help them get through it so yeah I've, i've seen a lot of people being scared by change and communication um, so that's obviously where we try to take that fear away yeah, yeah. from them and and, um, and come up with some practical solutions. I, I agree, absolutely agree. And and the challenge is is you get if you get the change wrong, the transformation will 
naturally fail. Yeah, uh, it's did. the number one. I think it's the number one element of successful transformation. And taking you, the there are so many elements of change that you can control. You know what your new widget is that you want to change to, or the yeah. new behaviors or the new culture. Um, you know um, which people you can put onto a project team. You know how much budget you can give them. You know what time scales it needs to operate over. You can control so many areas. Um, but you can't tell people, you, you can think that you can tell people what to do and you can to a certain extent um, give them role profiles and responsibilities and tell them what you'd like them to do. Um, but you can't tell people how to think and feel. Um, you, might, you might give an order and they might, <coughs> excuse me, they might listen to that and they might nod their head in front of you. But when they walk away, um, if they're not engaged in it, they're not going to do that to the to the best of their ability. So, Absolutely. so yes, you can control lots of elements of change, but you can't control the people element that can turn around and bite you. Totally agree. And, and you, you do also do work around sort of leadership development as well, don't you? So, um, I'm assuming that that uh, ability to deliver change is one of the key areas of of, of focus in in that piece. How does that tend to get land? How does that tend to land, shall I say? It's so important. Um, all of these things are um, all overlap. Um, you, a business can't communicate directly with its people all the time through channels like newsletters and intranets and town hall sessions. The, 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 one of the most critical parts of communication is through leaders. Um, a organization as a whole can put certain things in place that will engage their population. They can take control and be proactive about how they manage their um, employer brand. But on an individual level, if your leader um, isn't engaging you, you know, there's that old adage about you leave your boss, not the, not the company. Um, you can go through change, but again, an organization can plan for that change, can have a project team on it, can put communication engagement plans in place and project plans in place. Um, but again, it's down to the leader to understand all of the individuals within the team um, because at a top level, a project team level, you can't be responsible for a few thousand individual people. That's yeah. for their leaders, their line managers to do. So everything that we do, communication, change, engagement, all of those things are critical linchpin, critical factor is the leader. Um, they have to be able to communicate, they have to be able to engage. And again, engage, you hear that as a leader, don't you? You get promoted quite often because you are good at the technical aspects of your role, but you've not necessarily um, got the leadership qualities and you don't always get the leadership training for it. And you hear, you need to engage with your team and you know you need to engage with them. But what does that mean? Because it sounds, it, you know, it's a bit of a dark art yeah. um, to some people. And um, so that that development of people and it doesn't have to be complicated it's just sometimes um giving people as i say the tools and, and the language um that they need to be able to have those conversations and set up processes for them to be coached themselves um and to have that peer-to-peer -peer conversation and learning yeah. and development as well great so so would that be your your takeaway um in terms of the, the the sort of one thing that you focus in on um yeah. 
Is that is that it? That that engagement piece critical. Yeah. Whatever whatever you do, you're not going to do anything without communicating and engaging people. And one of the critical factors in doing that is their line manager. Brilliant. Well, um, thank you very much, Andrew. That that was really great. I think we're we're just up to about thirty minutes or so. So. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, super. We do occasionally get questions. Are you happy for us to to take those questions in? Absolutely. Once again, thank you very much, Andrea. What a great session! I'm sure that everyone will agree. There were some really key lessons in this episode that I know that if you apply, will help you deliver successful change, which is our absolute number one objective for producing this podcast. As you know, Thompson Wright Partners like to do things a little differently. And over lockdown, we have been thinking of how we can better serve the transformational leaders that we have within the network. We have some really exciting news coming out in the next few weeks, so keep an eye on your email. See you soon.